Thank you for your presence today. Soul searching can be an unenviable task, particularly if we are unwilling to stand before God and see ourselves as He sees us. Are we truly living for Christ? Are we bearing witness of true salvation? Or are we just going through the motions without fruit that bears true conversion? Are we dealing with our spiritual deficiencies? Are we confessing and repenting of our sins and depending on God to strengthen us? Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander imparts wisdom to us today. Have your Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. And keep your Bibles open because we'll be going through a number of, of scriptures as it relates to uh, our text today. We're going to continue where we left off a couple of Sundays ago, a soul-searching evaluation for families. A soul-searching evaluation for families. If we're going to experience revival and see God do extraordinary things in our families, we are most wise indeed if we will sit before the Lord and evaluate and examine the spiritual condition of our families We need to do some earnest soul searching to ensure that our families are first of all saved without a doubt. And then once we know that our families are saved without a doubt, it is critical to know that we have the assurance of our salvation as we live the Christian life to the glory of God. As we draw near the Savior... It is critical that we keep growing in Christ as, as families, that we, be, that we would be stripped of wickedness and strongholds, rebellion. So many families have division. God wants us to serve one another. He wants us to be strengthened in the unity of the spirit. You see, the family is under fierce attack. Do you realize that? We are under fierce attack by Satan. And Satan will use every resource at his disposal to destroy the family because he hates the family. He hates the family to the extent he used that he uses resources such as drugs and alcohol, divorce, separation. He uses violence, abuse, greed, sexual immorality, selfishness, pride, and on and on it goes to destroy our families. And let me tell you something, if Satan not bothering you, maybe it's because you're not bothering him. Because when you make up your mind to serve the Lord, Satan comes after us relentlessly. After this soul searching evaluation on the state of the family, it is urgent that we ask the Lord to search our heart, to purge out any sin and wickedness and bring revival into our families. We need spiritual restoration in our families. Families, there are families that need to be healed. There are families that need unity so desperately. So let me pose some questions to evaluate your lives and to evaluate the condition of your family and your marriage and so forth. Number one, for married couples, is there a growing love, respect in your marriage? Is the love in your marriage or has the love gone? Is there respect for one another? Is there a deeper trust in your marriage? What about unity? What about kindness in your marriage? Or when you examine your marriage, do you see nothing but more hurt and pain 
and arguments, more strife. It's not one thing, it's another, and then it's another, and it's another, and you keep asking yourself, how much is enough? Some marriages are filled with pressure, and there are marriages under my voice, by radio, television, and even those of you who sit here today, truth be told, your family is under stress. Ephesians 4.32 is where you are now. It says, and be kind to one another. That's where it starts. When God gets a hold of you, there'll be a spirit of kindness toward your husband or your wife. You'll be tenderhearted. You'll be forgiving of one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. First Peter 3a says, finally, all of you be of one mind. Oh, our prayer to God is that unity would prevail in our marriages having compassion for husbands and wives and children and extended families to love our brothers, to be tenderhearted, to be courteous to our wives, courteous to our husbands, courteous to our in-laws and relatives, courteous to our children. Wives, I got a question for you. Do you submit to your husband Or do you seek to control, manipulate, and argue to get your way? Do you submit to your husband or do you seek to control, manipulate, and argue to get your way? Now, you know, a lot of Christians don't even like this passage. Not to mention the world, especially in this feminist, agent-driven society. Uh, we just, some scriptures we don't, that we don't like, we just kind of disregard and ignore, but it's in the Bible and we should address it because we got our roles all mixed up and, uh, the family has turmoil and we need to get back to the basics. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. If you can find it quick enough, you need to see that it's in the Bible. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 says, wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the what? Church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. Now, wives, won't you say amen? Now, this, not, this does not mean that you're to be used as a doormat, doormat and to be wiped over the, over the floor like a mop and all that. He has some responsibilities as well. But, 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 the, but, but the scripture says something is particularly for you. And then I get to the man. In verse 22, it says, wives are to obediently submit to their husband, which means that she is called by God. You wives are called by God to come alongside your man, your husband, and use your God-given gifts and abilities to help him as he gives leadership to the family. God created you to be a helpmate meet to your husband. Uh, you, 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 you are to be a helper who's suitable. Uh, you are to come alongside and to nurture him and to develop him. As you yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will enable you to submit to your husband. You cannot have a submissive spirit apart from the Holy Spirit's enablement. 
God will bless the wife who honors the headship of her husband. That's right. God will bless you when you humble yourself and recognize his headship and not disrespect him uh, before the children. And uh, when you do, you're teaching your daughters to disrespect their future husbands. And that's not a good thing. Now, it's kind of quiet in here because this is not a popular message. We'd rather hear a message on the cross, maybe. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but the, only the truth will set us free. And if we adjust our thinking huh, and our minds to the authoritative word of God, marriages can soar to their God-given potential to the glory of God. That's right. Husbands, I'm talking to you too, in the spirit of God, according to the word of God. Do you love your wife as Christ loved the church? Or are you a dictator who is harsh? You're rough with your wife. You're dominating. You're insensitive. And do not value your wife's insight or counsel. Wise indeed if you listen to your wife. That's why God put in your life. You need to listen to her. Uh, just because you're the head of the house doesn't mean you're to disrespect her or not hear her from the heart. Doesn't mean that you have the last word because you're the head. You see, Ephesians 5.25 says, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husband, love your wives. Just as Christ also what? Loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, I'm still talking to you. To love our wives is to submit to our God-given responsibilities as priests. As priests. Say priests, men. A priest. That means you, 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 you're the spiritual covering for your wife and for your children. As the priest of your home, you're to lead your family in prayer, to lead your wives in prayer. When is the last time you laid hands on your children and prayed for them as priests in the home? When is the last time your children saw you praying on your knees to your heavenly father? Huh? You're to cultivate that spiritual life in the context of the family. As the head of the wife, the husband is divinely called by God to take responsibility for Christ-like leadership. Men say Christ-like leadership. Christ-like leadership. Say Christ-like leadership. Christ-like say it a little bit louder. Christ-like leadership. Christ-like you are to lead your family in the way of Christ. To give Christ-like leadership is, is to protect your family. It is to provide for your family in the home. Your family ought to not be wondering about not being able to eat or is the house not going to be paid because you're trying to support two households. It, it, listen, it takes everything you got to support that one household. You cannot have a sideline cuckabine and think you're going to have a successful marriage. Don't y'all say amen. One wife is expensive enough. You ought not be divvying out to other folk. You don't have that kind of money. And if you do, you ought to be giving more to your family, to your children, and to the Lord. Amen? When I get through meeting all my wife's material needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, financial needs, I'm broke. (laughs) 
I'm broke. But it's a joy for me to take my wife out, spend time with her, to invest in the family, to make sure groceries are in the pantry, to make sure the bills are paid and paid on time. That's right. That's right. To lovingly lead in a Christ-like way in provisions in the home. To love our wives also means to love her unconditionally. It means to honor her, to honor her, to give her her place in that home and in society. It's not to demean your wife or to, to put her down. It is to respect her. If you don't respect her, husbands don't expect anybody else to, to respect her. And wives don't talk down your husband even if it's true. That's right. You keep talking them down, talking them down, another folk grin, yeah, 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 get rid of them. And then they get, you get rid of your husband like a fool and then they with them. That's right. They just set you up. You know? Honor your man. Honor your woman. Your lady in your life. Your wife. Uh, you ought to be proud that she bears your name. That's right. And she'll not be ashamed of your name. I want my wife to wear my name with grace and dignity. Oh, I'm a draper. (laughs) You know, don't let your name disturb her because of how you act in that home. Don't y'all say amen. Respect her. You listen to her. Be quiet. Don't get word for a word. Don't overtalk her. Hush. Listen. Look. Learn. Provide for her. Nurture her. Minister to your wife. God will show you how to do it from his word. That's why you're here today. To learn to be be more Christ-like in your family. Husbands, I'm talking to you even more because God holds you responsible for your family. Husbands, we must love our wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This means that we should be willing to sacrificially give of ourselves to our wives unto death. Marriage is to be permanent till death do you part. That ought to be in that In in that vow, that vow, it's not a part-time vow. You're to love your wife and you're to be married to him or her unto death. The wife to the husband, the husband to the wife unto death. You are to love her sacrificially, to give the best of yourself to her, to the glory of God. And her submission to you will not be a burden, but a joy because of how you treat her. You see, submission is the key to a healthy, well-balanced home. Submission is not just for the wife. It is also for the husband. There is to be mutual submission to the glory of God. You say, is that in the scripture? It sure is. Where is it? In Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. To the glory of God. Reverencing God. Let's move on. Uh, pride, communication, finances, sexual intimacy, lack of respect, 
and trust is the root of the majority of problems in marriage. You know what kills marriages? Pride. No one can tell you nothing. Hard headedness, rebellious, have to have the last word, have to have it your way. You snuff all the life out of the marriage. Pride kills the marriage. You know what kills marriages? Lack of communication. You can't talk, won't talk, ain't talking. You walk around rolling your eyes, slamming doors, huffing and puffing. And then you're going to get on your knees and pray to God. And God says, I'm not hearing your prayers. You know, you're not in. How you, you, how you, how you, how you going to commune with me and you can't even commune with one another? Huh? Communication. You got to talk and not just give one liners. I'm going here. Stop that. And all that kind of stuff. Finances kill marriages. You, you have to operate in the unity of the spirit with finances. You have to talk these things through. Flush them out. Selfishness kills, kills marriage. It, it's all about you and not, and not the other person. And you can see a lot of selfishness when it comes to sexual intimacy. And, and, and one partner is holding back on the other, particularly usually women, because they use that as bargaining power and all of that kind of stuff. And the, and the poor man is starved to death uh, uh, sexually. And then he go out and play around and you get mad and want a divorce and you you were part of the problem, too. Don't starve your husband sexually. That's right. If you don't want to have sex, then you shouldn't have gotten married. That's right. That's right. Your body is his body, his body, vice versa, vice versa. Your body belongs to each other as unto the Lord. Huh? Now, all of that's part of it. Selfishness kills marriage, particularly in the area of sexual intimacy. Lack of respect kills marriage. Disrespect. And trust is the root of the majority of problems in marriage. As we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and apply the word of God to the issues that needs to be addressed, we will see our marriages grow into Christ's likeness as we begin to address critical issues that are of great concern in the life of marriage. Here's another question of evaluation we need to consider in the marriage. Do you pray, kiss one another daily, hold hands, or do you just say hi and bye, acting more like roommates? That's right. Husbands, do you leave your wives well-kissed? Wives, do you leave your husbands well-kissed? I mean, not kissing once a month. I mean, you kissing daily because that's your spouse and you love them. Are you praying with them? Do you ever hold each other's hand or do you just act like your roommates? Song of Solomon says, chapter one, verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is sweeter than wine. Ought to be some kisses going on in the marriage. That's right. Say amen. Amen. You're getting quiet out there. I need to, some of y'all, it's amazing how when y'all date and y'all are so lovey-dovey, you're in the car, the poor man, y'all can't drive, stay with you all under each other, you're all in each other's way, and you all just, just all, oh, just, you, oh. and when you get married, you get your console right in the middle. You stay on your side, she stay on her side. 
Huh? Now, now, now listen, it ought to be hands off and not so much of that before you get married because it leads to sex outside of wedlock. You would say Satan is a booger man. I tell you, he's a devil. What he wants to do, here's, here's his strategy. Listen, thank you, Holy Ghost. He wants to trip you up and get you to have premarital sex before you say I do. That's right. You ought to wait. Premarital sex is sin. Repeat after me. Premarital sex is sin. That's right. Now, you haven't said that in a long time. And so before you get married, Satan will do everything within his power to get you to have premarital sex. Put your hands where they ought not be. That's right. Doing things and you can't wait and you're messing up all over the place. But then after you get married, he changes his strategy. And all of a sudden, there are issues. Nobody want to touch, feel. You know, when it's okay, now you're abstaining. Listen, that gift of celibate stuff is too late. You want to have sex before the marriage, but don't want to have sex in the marriage. What is wrong with you? Next question of evaluation. This is evaluation on the spiritual condition of your family. Do you spend quality time with each other? First Peter 4, 8a says, and above all things, have fervent love to one another. Have fervent love. Your love ought to be hot toward one another. Sizzling hot, not cold, hot. That's right. It ought to be heated up. There'll be some romantic qualities about your marriage. A sure sign of marital erosion is when you can when you can enjoy being at work or with other people more than being with your spouse. The gift of time is a most precious gift you can give your spouse and children. The gift of time is the most uh, precious gift that you can give your Spouse and children. And you know, you ought to not be talking better to other folk in the church and friends. And then you hang up the phone and all of a sudden what you want. I mean, that's hypocrisy when you can talk to other folk better than you talk to your own spouse. There ought to be a fervent love. Do you spend quality time with each other or do you make any excuse to keep from being with each other? Here's another um, question of evaluation. Do you give gifts of love and appreciation to one another or do you often take each other for granted? Do you give gifts of love and appreciation to one another or do you often take each other for granted? Acts chapter 20 verse 35 B says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When do you give to your husband? When do you give to your wife? Where is the note or the word of encouragement? Even verbally speaking, for the little things, where are the flowers? uh, uh, Gifts ought not just come when it's Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or some day like that. Spouses ought to encourage and bless one another even when one is not looking for anything. Another question of evaluation. Do you faithfully serve each other without a hidden agenda 
Or do you sit around acting like a little king or queen on the throne to be waited on hand and foot? Do you faithfully serve each other without a hidden agenda? Or do you sit around acting like a little king or queen on the throne to be waited on hand and foot? Philippians chapter two, verses three and four says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And really in the first years of marriage, you got to really realize that it's not about you. You've been single all your life. So now you have someone else in your life and you have to consider the other person's interests. You see, servanthood cannot be done apart from humility. It helps us to keep humility. That is helps us to keep the interests of the others at the forefront Humility builds and strengthens the marriage, and it also keeps us from pride and self-centeredness. That's why servanthood is so good. Serving one another keeps us humble. As a matter of fact, Galatians chapter 5 verse 13b says, but through love serve one another. Through love. Because I love my wife, or because you love your husband, you serve them out of love. Out of love. As confessed believers in the only true and living God, we miss out on countless blessings due to our lack of faithfulness, obedience, and service. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything we need is at our disposal. When will we trust God enough to believe and depend on His Word? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.